Let me speak in the name of God, the lover, the beloved, and the love sharer. Amen. Previously, as they like to say in the TV series, we've been working through uh, three. Today is the third of the great sign of the kingdom stories around which the evangelist John in his fourth gospel constructs uh, a theology of Jesus' ministry. That's why John is so different from the other Gospels. The three synoptic Gospels, synoptic because they give a synopsis of the ministry of Jesus through a series of events. John looks at the inside of that experience. And from the seven stories, he constructs this wonderful theology of Jesus' ministry. And the core of John's Understanding of Jesus is love. Jesus says, love one another. Love unites the cosmos. The way Jesus puts it in John, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Therefore you must love one another because when you do so you are loved by the Father. And these stories that we hear today the raising of Lazarus are complex and long, and there are many moving parts. Last week in talking about the man who was healed, the man blind from birth, I used the analogy or the metaphor of a play and divided into acts in order to bring out the dramatic events and the story. And today I want to try a slightly different approach which requires me to tell you a little bit about something called psychosynthesis. Um, In my long therapeutic training, I've had two distinct periods of training. The first one was a psychoanalytic training. That's the tradition of Freud. And the second one was psychosynthesis. And the founder of psychosynthesis, Roberto Assagioli, he was a follower of Freud, one of the initial disciples of Sigmund Freud, but he broke with Freud over Freud's discounting of the importance of the spiritual component in human experience. And so psychosynthesis is a psychology and a philosophy that understands that the goal of emotional development is spiritual integration. And Asatioli delineates two dimensions of experience. There's what he calls the transpersonal experience. In traditional Christian language, we would refer to that as the, the divine experience or the experience of the divine dimension. 
and the human, the personal level of experience. And in order to be able to track the difference between these two dimensions, Asagioli comes up with this wonderful idea of the bifocal vision. And in my uh, ministry as a priest, this psychosynthetic training to use the bifocal vision has been and is very crucial because when people tell me their stories, the bifocal vision helps me to track at the same time the spiritual dimension of the story alongside the human, the personal dimension of the story. And in a way, the purpose of talking to a priest is so that maybe those two dimensions can be connected in some way that leads to our fruitful growth and change. Now, I'm explaining this to you because this is the way that we need to understand the gospel reading today about the raising of Lazarus, because otherwise the details in the story seem somewhat paradoxical, because we, do, we get two very distinct and somewhat contradictory pictures of Jesus in this story. And that's because in John, the transpersonal, the message of love that leads to salvation is distinct and yet intertwined with the personal dimension of the human experience, the way we human beings experience our lives. <clears throat> now the gist of the story this morning, Jesus is with his disciples and a message comes to him, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. The implication being come at once. And we get this kind of funny image of Jesus because he says, oh, kind of don't worry about that. He's not going to die. And then he continues what he's doing and he delays for two whole days. Now the gist of the message tells us that the connection between Jesus and Lazarus is one of significant importance in terms of human relationships, the man whom you love. And Jesus seems to be completely oblivious, and the disciples are confused. And then, at some point, Jesus suddenly out of the blue says, ah, Lazarus is dead. We need to go to Bethany. And the disciples get really, really upset, you see, because they'd just come from Judea, where the Jews had tried to stone Jesus to death in the temple. And so the idea of going back to Judea frightens them. And Jesus goes on about those who walk in the light and those who stumble in the dark. And 
I'm not sure the disciples are any of the wiser, but sooner or later, Jesus says, okay, we're ready to go now, let's go. And when Jesus gets near Bethany, a message comes to Martha and to Mary, the sisters of, of Lazarus, who has died. Now, we know about Martha and Mary, not from John's story this morning. We know about Martha and Mary from Luke's story about them. We know that Martha's the busybody, always, always frantically doing things, and we know that Mary is that rather lazy, infuriating, contemplative one. <laughs> and so we're not surprised to find that it's Martha who goes rushing out first to greet Jesus. And she says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can hear the rebuke. And again, we get this very strange picture of Jesus' response to Martha because he initiates a conversation about the resurrection of the dead. He seems completely oblivious to the human experience of Martha. And this is John. This is the transpersonal dimension in John's story. Because in initiating a conversation with Martha about the resurrection of the dead, he says, Martha, do you believe in the resurrection? Yes, of course I do, Lord. I am the resurrection. The thing that happens in John over and over again, Jesus connects the resurrection with himself. Which then encourages Martha to say, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world. The message of salvation is proclaimed loud and clear. And then Mary, who gets to hear somehow that Jesus is outside, she too gets up and she rushes out and she says exactly the same thing to him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But look at Jesus' reaction to Mary. How extraordinarily different. No conversation about the resurrection of the dead now. Jesus looks at her weeping. She falls at his feet and those who are comforting her are weeping. And Jesus is profoundly disturbed. John says he is disturbed in his spirit. And he begins to weep. And here we see Jesus at the personal, at the human level of the interaction. The two levels, side by side, but distinct, but intertwined. John is separating them and teasing them out in offering us these two very different encounters with each of the sisters. And still weeping, Jesus asks to be taken to Lazarus' tomb. And there is no other passage in any of the Gospels which convey to us 
Jesus at his most vulnerable, as this passage in John. Jesus weeps. He is deeply, deeply affected by his human ties of love and affection to this family. And arriving at the tomb, John then brings these two strands together, the Martha and the Mary strand, the transpersonal and the personal, brings them together because he tells us that while Jesus continues to weep, he appeals to his Father in heaven that what he is about to do will become an instrument for the glorification of God. So that those who see will believe. And he calls Lazarus out of death. And John finishes this section of the gospel with, and some of the bystanders believe. And we stopped there this morning, but if we had read on a few verses, John would have also told us, but some of them did not believe. And they went to consort with the temple authorities, who then decide to put Jesus to death. And so the raising of Lazarus is the turning point in John's gospel. Jesus now sets out for Jerusalem and there is no going back on the path to the cross. Now we receive this gospel this morning. We receive it on the fifth Sunday in Lent, traditionally called Passion Sunday. And it initiates that period called Passion Tide that takes us all the way through Holy Week to Good Friday. And why I wanted to explain the story in terms of the bifocal vision is because we receive it on a Sunday when we need the bifocal vision, to take us through the coming events. We are Episcopalians. That means that our tradition, our great Anglican tradition, transmits to us that very ancient Catholic and apostolic tradition of liturgy. We are liturgical Christians. And liturgy is a vehicle. Now, what does a vehicle do? Well, it takes you from one place to another. And so if we use the bifocal vision to look at liturgy, we see that at the human level, it takes us through the events to Easter. It takes us from one place where we now are and deposits us at another place in time and space, Easter Day. 
But the other strand of the bifocal vision shows us that liturgy also transports us from pre-resurrection to resurrection experience. It takes us from one state of mind to another. Liturgy requires participation. There's no room for bystanding. And the liturgy as a vehicle transports us at both levels, the transpersonal and the personal, step by step through the coming events that lead us to Easter Day. Now, some people like to check out and just arrive on Easter Sunday as if magically transported in some fairy carriage. You cannot arrive at the joy of the resurrection unless you have first traveled with Jesus the way of the cross. And as liturgical Christians, we don't just do that imaginatively by ourselves. We do that together, carried and transported by the vehicle of the liturgy. But we have to be present and we have to participate in that journey. And let the liturgy carry us to where we long with all our hearts to be. And you'll see in the bulletin and on the website and in the e-blast, you will see the liturgies are posted from Palm Sunday, next Sunday, through Holy Week, Maundy Thursday, the commemoration of the Last Supper of the Lord and the washing of the feet, Good Friday, Easter Eve, the great, the great vigil of Easter, and Easter Day. You can't skip a stage and expect to be where you need to be, where you long to be on Easter Day. You need to go step by step. And the prayer book puts it beautifully for the collect of for Friday. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified. Mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and of peace. Amen.